Like whenever I go to record anything and it's like three, two, one, go. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> it's started now and this is it. And it's official. And I mean, this is, this is a start, right? Because I mean, it's so funny. I don't know about you, but I had rehearsed this in my head. Oh, you did? <laughs> I yeah. purposefully did not. <laughs> well, yeah. Now I feel unprepared. Technically, you have just described pre-sales in, in a nutshell. Pre-preparing phrases for conversations that you have no idea how they're going to go, right? We can prepare and, you know, put in the effort and try to rehearse as much as we want. And then you actually go in front of a person and they're like, oh yeah, so how does the sun actually affect your product? And you're like, eh? <laughs> how does that, what? And then everything you have rehearsed, poof, gone into the ether. I was reading a book, I think right at the start of uh, COVID, called The Digital, I, was just, I just looked it up, The Digital Body Language by Erica Duan. She goes through a lot of contextual examples of how different backgrounds, how different, again, just how do we communicate digitally and how, you know, and why some people fail at it, why some people are so good at it, yada, yada, yada. So I'm quite bad at email in the sense of I don't like email. <laughs> I would avoid it at any cost if I can. Um, I, I don't like sending like, you know, a couple of sentences like back and things like that, even though I'm getting better at it now. Thanks to transcription, by the way, where I just record exactly what's on my mind and I just ship it off to people. As I said, like in a big blog of text, <laughs> which apologies for people who have received that, but it's just the only way I can actually write a, a good email. Um, but what she's saying there is exactly, you know, that mirroring because in we do that in real life as well. We do it face to face. And maybe less so to you as a native English speaker, but I don't have a very strong particular accent in one way or the, or the other. If I speak to you for another hour, I will start sounding more like you than I do how I usually sound. When I sp speak to my partner, it's a completely different accent. When I speak to, for example, I was in Denmark for the last one you know week. I got back to having a Danish accent, even though I don't speak Danish. You went to Ireland. But the thing is, but, so, so as a native English speaker, I do the same thing. And the, the this is a very specific, like going back to like the contract conversation, right? it's a very specific like English thing that I've seen. I'm assuming it's, because well, I've not seen it kind of in other um, even other English speaking, say like you're getting someone, there's a, there's a perception, there's a stereotype of um, a trace person, right? And the way they speak and the mannerisms they have. And it has become a trope in comedy to have quite a well-spoken, quote unquote, posh person or like a kind of neutral accent. Now, I get told I have neutral, a very neutral English accent who will change their vocabulary and their mannerisms and we'll go from being like talking just again as they would in normal conversation to being like yeah mate so like you know right like this kind of a just, it, and it is almost a dialect and i think there are for me it's obviously quite exaggerated because of mirroring and masking but for for everybody i think you do do that because you kind of you want to feel and it's interesting psychologically i think as well when you're going into a, a selling situation and you're like huh i am going to make myself sound like these people 
because then there's one less thing for them to overcome in the information that I'm giving them. Funny you say, you mentioned tradespeople. So I've been, and this might be very obscure for people not in the UK, but I live in the Northeast. I live in what I lovingly call Georgielandia. <laughs> and I've been here yeah. for a year. So I'm getting there with, with the Geordie accent. Like, in the sense of I'm starting now to be able to decipher what people are trying to say to me when they are aware that I'm not from, not, that I'm not local. Because they still, they slow down, they sort of like, you know, you, they use, they use a, you know, baby Geordie, right? To people who are like, <laughs> they don't, they don't use the, the phrases that they have because there's like a whole different, like, repertoire of analogies and things that I have no idea what they say most of the time. But when we, first moved in. So my partner has been living in like around Newcastle for around 10 years. So he's he's okay. For me, it was three months in when we had a contractor come in, like a builder. He knocked on our door. I opened the door. And this lovely chap just started talking at me for about what felt like forever. But it was like most likely two minutes. But I had absolutely no idea what he said to me. I'm not yeah. exaggerating. I only, I only understood... Hey, yeah. And then words came, which I haven't, I, I couldn't even, I was, I was just hoping that I'd grasp a word or two to figure out the context. Like you do in a foreign language, right? Like you don't understand all of the, the words in the, in a sentence, like, but you can grasp a couple of words and like, ah, okay. I know I get, I get the gist of what you're trying to say here. I did not get that <laughs> at all. So at one point, I sort of sheepishly went like, I'm I'm really sorry, can you just hold one second? I think you need to talk to my partner. And I panically like ran up the stairs and I went like, help, there's a Geordie band on the door and I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> to which my partner, again, also a foreigner in the UK, but just stepped down the stairs and suddenly switched to what you said, like, hey, I made da -da 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 -da, just said stuff in Geordie. <laughs> I have made the same mistake throughout my career in conversations with people that know more about the thing that I'm talk that I'm kind of asking them about than I do. And I've shown like a little bit of knowledge, like network networking networking. I know a little bit about networking. I very, very quickly get completely lost. Know enough to be dangerous is, is the phrase I, I commonly use. Yeah, yeah. No enough, yeah, no enough to be dangerous, but also no enough to... I've always done that thing of, like, staying one page ahead in the textbook of the person I'm speaking to, like, generally. And that's quite a good... Um, quite, I always kind of try and, try and live by that rule in any, in, any converse, in any situation where, whether I'm coaching, because I've taught sports, um, whether I'm doing a presentation, whether I'm having a... Whatever the conversation is, I'm like, provided that I'm one, literally one page ahead of the person I'm speaking to, that's fine because I can, I know enough to answer their questions. And if I can't ask those that question, I've established enough authority to go, they're like, oh, okay, it's fine. You just need to go and get some clarification. I'm not there going, I, 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 need, to, I need to find out. And I'm like, not, I'm never, I'm never hastily looking in the help section of any product to try and figure out what it does. Or, or manically googling in the background. No, no, not at all. I mean, I mean, no, never, do, never no, do that. No, no. I, I work on IT support. I never use Google. <laughs> oh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> top, top of my top skills in, in my CV are definitely not Google foo. <laughs> was that was that your first job? Was it like proper IT support? No, I, 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 I tell you, I tell you what, like 
Yeah, well, so it's kind of weird. So I went to uni. I did, I did English Lit because I was good at it. And I liked reading and I went... And, well, I didn't get my grades. I didn't get into any of the universities I applied to. I then ended up in a thing called Clearing, which is where it's like where they have spaces on the course. Um, and again, it's one of those things, and we'll probably talk about it a lot, of those like moments of serendipity where I'm like, oh, in the moment it felt horrendous what was happening. But looking back, like, you know, I'm like, well, I wouldn't be here. Thank goodness it happened. Yeah, exactly. Thank goodness I went where I went. So I did that. I did, uh, did my undergrad for three years. Got to like halfway through my last year. And I was like, huh, I don't know what I'm going to do next year because I was 20 and who knows what you're going to do at 20. It's, but my, one of my um, lecturers said, oh, I, I got a piece of work back and she said, and she wrote it. She went, talk to me about our master's course. My friend was doing it. <laughs> so that was as good a reason as any to apply to state university for another year. Um, so I did a master's and in, I think it was, I think it was actually my third year. And then into my master's year, I ended up, met friends of friends. At the time, I was doing, like, web design, copywriting. And they were like, oh, we have a business. We need someone to come and do that. And I was like, I'll come and do that part-time. And then when I was still doing my MA, um, when I was writing my thesis, increased my hours at all. I'm like, yeah, fine. Come and do this. And they had a contract for basically IT support, um, on-site IT support with, you know, it was, a, it was a language school. So English is a foreign language school. And that was how I got into IT support because they just taught me how to do it. And it was like literally the level of changing printer ink and troubleshooting jams and, oh, the... Re resetting passwords. Yeah, the compute, this computer, so this bank of computers, because it, you know, it, it was like when they started like banks, laptops would just kind of, being issued, but they still had banks of computers and everyone still worked on paper. It wasn't that long ago, but it was like kind of long ago, long ago enough that... You're definitely aging yourself, mate. <laughs> All right. It was, anyway, that was how, that's how they, 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 they were still very, very manual. And then there was, there was my favourite story from that, <laughs> bank of computers. And someone came and got to me because part of the role was just being sat on site, right, for an hour a day. I said, oh, this computer's not working. I said, All right, it went up. I said, oh, I'll press the, the on button. It's not working. And you think, this is a tower setups. And I looked and I went, okay. I said, there's not a computer there. <laughs> he said, oh, what do you mean? I said, there's no tower. Oh, well, the hard drive. The hard drive. Because that's what a tower is. The tower is the hard drive. I mean, it contains the hard drive. But it was, there was just there was a monitor and a keyboard and a mouse. But there was no Great. machine. And he had been pressing the monitor button for about right. 10 minutes. Not understanding why I didn't. And yeah, and then I ended up, after that, came to an end after about a year, because these things do, I started working for a group of schools, doing IT support, again, as an IT technician. Also got to do, like really insane things like go on the ski trip because i was the person who understood how to use facebook and they were like we want to use the facebook page so you can go spend 22 hours on the coach and go to italy i mean it was great because like <laughs> i i wow just got drunk every evening and it was super cheap but yeah there was that 
and then like, oh, way to make all of us jealous of your first yeah, job. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, there was downsides to it as well. There was, there was. I, I still get PTSD from Christmas and summertime because they had this school show. As well as being an IT technician, I also had to be um, an AV technician and a show producer. And I had to source all the equipment because they didn't have lighting. So I had to go out and source the lighting and then set it up and then make sure it all worked and then understand how to use this board and the sound desk. So so it, it, it was it was it was a very weird looking back. It was, very, it was, it was a lot of fun, it was a very weird time as well. And I, I just yeah, but I, I, that's how I kind of got into like IT. I would even broaden it out. It's not just IT, yeah. it's tech in general, yeah. because I think we, we have this tendency of limiting IT quite much to this is, like, you know, just computers, right? Or if you're really into IT, then we're talking about data centers and cloud and all these sort of stuff. But really, and you know, one of the big topics that we do want to like keep on coming back to, and we do want to keep on talking about on this podcast, it's just tech in general. And I think it's so funny how being good at one thing, and I don't think it's about being good at one thing, like, you know, being good at Windows or Mac OS or whatever. I don't think that actually means you're good at IT. I think this ability to just, you're giving a you're given a soundboard and somebody tells you, okay, figure it out. It's this ability to figure things out that I think what makes people, one, re good at IT, but also really like IT slash tech. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think all of us have that, you know, everyone in tech has that same, that is, that is when I say into tech, like that's stumbling into a career in tech, but more of a, oh, we like this stuff. We want to do more. We, we do this stuff outside of our core working hours as well. Yeah. I, I, and I, I also think it's a unique, but it's something that's quite unique to late Gen X and millennial. And it's, it's, You think? Yeah. Gen Z can't use file systems. That millennials are kind of uniquely because if you think about what we grew up with, when I was when I was like, so um, where my eldest child is going to school next year? When I was her, when I was their age, I we did not have computers in school. I think then when I was like six, we got the and we can link these the BBC microcomputers, which came with and we had one for like the row and you should. Google it. And they, they came with a five and a half inch floppy disks. And they were these like, they, they, were, they were essentially fund, they were government funded equipment to get IT in into schools, get computers in schools. Then we had- You have definitely aged yourself, buddy. I know, I know I have. I was, I was born before the internet. There you go. Um, only just, but like, again, I mean, I, I kind of, I mean, okay, yeah, and then and then and then, but you think about it, like then we get then we get then you go through Windows ninety five, then Windows two thousand, and then you have. I mean, I posted about this recently. You have MySpace and you have MSN and you have this like the amount of sort of customization that kind of wild time in the like the early two thousands on the internet, which is very looking back because I was like it was completely insane, but also you it wasn't it was hard to use it was not easy to do that stuff you didn't you didn't just go like pick up your phone and then you're like you're in everything like single sign-on wasn't a thing and you didn't just have that information like readily served up to you you had to try 
and do it and again this is going to age me again right the get off the computer i want to use the phone because of dial up like that side of things but it, it, it's every every year or so and it's easy you mentioned like mac and windows and stuff right i grew up with windows i've also learned mac i've also learned like ios but every year that changes and you have to adapt you have to change you have to change it and then something else changes and it's like how i use computers when i started out in my career like 10 years ago 10 and a half years ago to now is fundamentally different um the cloud was this big scary thing <laughs> right gotta consume everything yeah. office 365 was just coming out i remember like watching the like announcement things from Microsoft like, what's this about right and it was just a I think it's instilled though that kind of that curiosity around technology because it's changed so much and it continues to change so much that we're always like oh how can I adapt this to benefit adapt this to benefit me and how do I put this in the context of what I had before and also again I think you can then also, you can start to try and again this gets down into a tangent you can start to sort of trace how innovation then Bruce so like we only have Spotify now because we had Napster right it's those kinds of things but I'm still from the like the Linkin Park none by Linkin Park dot executable <laughs> right <laughs> which people there's certain people will understand that like that thing right that's an yeah, that's, a, that's a music file right <laughs> it's an yeah obviously it's, <laughs> I, do, I, do, I, do, I think it gives us that that understanding though funnily enough um i think I've, I've, i don't know if i've mentioned it to you in conversation but we not weirdly enough there's historical reasons for it but so i grew up in eastern europe right i grew up in bulgaria so there was and it feels like the more i talk to people especially like people my age or people like five to ten years older than me like they will say things like oh yeah you know you most likely, Lydia, have no idea what cassettes are. And I'm like, actually, no, I do. Because it feels like, especially, at least Bulgaria was a little bit behind, like just de like delayed a little bit at the time, right? This is like, you know, I'm, I'm born 96. Um, and then, you know, into the 2000s, even though most likely, you know, folks in the UK have already like flown past a lot of this tech, be it because of economical reasons or again, just technology taking its time to come into Bulgaria, I got to see a lot of the old stuff, but they were gone in a flash, right? Like, I remember having cassettes. I remember having videotapes. I remember having to download <laughs> .exe files <laughs> and MP or just MP3 files from like dodgy looking. In my case, it was mostly Russian <laughs> websites <laughs> of like, where you just, you download, you know, whatever music you wanted to have. I remember like my first touchscreen phone which was you know revolutionary but even then like it was still just downloading songs onto it like with the usb cable and plugging it in so i i got to see a little bit of what it was like before but at the same time like i grew up with the internet in the sense of we had and i was very lucky in that sense that so my dad is a huge gamer so we had a pc in the house as quickly as physically and you know financially we could yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't a you know oh don't be on the pc you know because i wanted to make a phone call it was a dad when am i going to get to play and the answer always was soon yeah. <laughs> which was the most frustrating thing ever because <laughs> i would see him you know playing his games and i'm like oh but i want to play too um 
So I, I got, and also I got to play some really weird video games growing up because you know, it, I was. I was maybe like second or third grade when I got like The Sims, you know, 18 and one on a burn disc from like a dodgy. <laughs> like it was nothing was like proper, like nothing was bought. Everything was like, oh, yeah, I know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy. I'm not painting a fantastic picture of the Eastern Europe, am I? <laughs> I had CD cracks. I, I okay. Cracks okay, good. Of Empires 2 from most of the time. Oh, wow. We did Heroes 3, so in, in, we were a Heroes household, like Heroes of Might and Magic. Um, the, my, one of my fondest memories is my mum pulling an all-nighter. My mum is not a gamer, but she pulled, I say that, <laughs> and then she pulled an all-nighter on a, on a week, like weekday evening, <laughs> playing Heroes 3, and then had to go to work the next morning. And she never did it again. And I'm like, why? Obviously it worked. But honestly, like, it's it's sort of that that growing up. Whilst I'm never, I've never been this person that I like, you know, oh, I want to disassemble a PC and figure out how to, I never wanted to disassemble the PC, right? It was just, I did it out of necessity because very early on, my dad sort of taught me like, you know, if you're going to use this machine, you're going to have to figure out how to maintain it. Same with when I got a car, you know, it was always like, you don't need to become a mechanic. You don't need to become a PC builder, but you need to understand the basic fundamentals. So you don't need to call me at like, you know, 2 a.m. <laughs> to, you know, to help you fix it. Uh, I learned how to reinstall like Windows XP very early because obviously with all the cracked <laughs> versions of games and everything, like I would get viruses left, right and center. As you were talking, like so I never got into like the MySpace era, um, but I still, I still hear the ICQ message notification. <laughs> like, uh-oh. Occasionally I just hear it in my head as a memory. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, right? I was thinking about it. So let's take a, a very, um, so 16, right? Very, t- when I was 16, like, we, Facebook was around, but it was just college students. And I remember people talking about it, who were, people I worked with who were off to university who were getting Facebook. MySpace was still like um yeah we're still very much in vogue and but then you got you kind of go like forward right to when you were the same age so you were 16 and like that still feels like that was kind of like for me that was like peak tumblr which oh yeah but it's the same um ethos as myspace right tumblr was very creative and very like although they were all made to it was more um, there was less coding involved. MySpace was very heavily coded, and to like make anything happen, you had like know about like, HTML and stuff. And it was great to teach you, right? I couldn't do most of it now, but like, and you would do because you could attach a song to your profile, and then you'd there's a way that you could basically hide the player so that someone would land on your profile page and then they would play this song. I'm so I'm sorry I'm sorry, Paul, but I'm just trying to picture. Like a younger person, you know, younger than me, like, you know, in their 20s, listening to us right now and going like, what the heck are these old farts on about? But the thing is, right, okay, maybe they are, but it's probably, right, we are in, this is a a very niche set of people that will understand this. And I I think, but I think we're in that that bracket, right? I think you you are in that bracket because growing up with the, so I kind of say, I, I grew up with the internet in so far as... The by the time I was by the time I was a teenager, the internet was a thing, and we had 
um, you didn't have smartphones, but you had MSN and messengers, right? You had the ability to come home from school and communicate with everyone that you knew at school. And in a way that our parents didn't understand. So there were going to be people who are listening who are like, who are older and not by a huge amount who are like, who have no idea what we're talking about and be like, oh, my kids had MySpace, right? And yeah, there will be people who are not much younger who are like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but I think it, 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 what was interesting about it is, and you know, you're saying you, you, you learned to put a computer together because your dad taught you, right? That's something that I think very few people, like, you know, under the age of, I don't know, like 25, 25, would know how to do. Would actually understand the... Because the, also, again, in my in the time I was building computers, we went from IDE to SATA hard drive to solid state. Yeah. And again, you say even... You say, like, it's not an age thing, I would say, because it was shocking to me. And again, this is about, like, how... We, we we surround ourselves with people that are like us. The, all of my friends know how to build their own PCs, but we're all the same type of person, right? We like, you know, we like video games. We like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Like we're, we're this sort of like stereotypical nerdy person. Most of my classmates at high school had no idea, right? People my age had no idea. Most of them got a laptop when, you know, we were in like beginning of high school and they'd never cared to figure it out. They knew how to, you know, use the, you know, browse the internet. They they knew how to do certain stuff. But like I would be like the the local IT person, like me and a couple of classmates. Whereas when something would break, they would go like, hey, do you want to come over and like fix my PC or like my laptop? And so even then it was still a rarity. And which again like I forget these things sometimes because like in, in my head, because especially we also work in tech, like everyone around us like and and then I would look back at like uh, this is gonna sound very like you know the normal people <laughs> like you know normies that don't like this stuff, which is perfectly fine, right? You don't. Not everyone has to be really into tech, but to them, it's like whatever you're doing, like it's black magic, right? I don't understand. And then you know, and then people tell me, you know, oh, networking, you know, like network engineering, that's black magic, and I'm like, like it's completely different levels of depending on the perspective you have, like how. How far is your deep, you know, your black magic gonna actually look like? <laughs> you see that, like a demo face, like you see that personality type. Oh right, yeah, in this space, and I think it's people who are that mix of creative and inquisitive, and kind of have a like a persistence to be like, I want to understand how this thing works and that manifests itself it can manifest itself in no it can manifest itself in i want to take a pc to bits it can be i want to look at this like so i take an example right i will i will sit and watch a two-hour youtube documentary about like a really obscure weapon from the first world war that was never used but was this like incredibly feat of engineering right because it's because how because a good drilling to how it works and how things happen it's like but how did that how does that go like that why does that do that but it's again it's to satisfy that little you know monkey in your brain of like you know oh shiny right i want that like let me figure that out like how, how do you do this how do you how do you do that it's again it's funny that in the in the pre-sale space i don't uh, more so when i was a network engineer 
So before I got into pre-sales, like I was a, I keep on saying like a proper network engineer. Like I was doing like the whole racking and stacking and the whole, the whole, the whole nine yards. And that was my education as well. Right. So I studied in Denmark for a couple of years and then, um, that it was a very practical education in the sense of, you know, we got like a couple of certs as we left, uh, we were ready, right. To actually go straight into a network engineering job. Which was fantastic because I had, unlike you, I had no patience for academia. I couldn't wait to get the heck out. It's <laughs> just like, if I don't want to write a single essay in my life, I just want to do the fastest track to getting a job. And that's exactly what I did. And network engineering, speaking of serendipitous, and I know most likely we'll get to this at some point in the future, because I've told this story so many times. And it's just like, how, how did I find myself in network engineering? Because it's not something you wake up one day and go like, hmm. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like, this sounds like a really cool thing. But as it, so that was the, in the networking space, like, I am not a techie person because I was never the person to get into, like, you know, packet capturing and, like, look into the, you know, the bits and figure out, like, oh, this is why, this is how it figures out how to get from here to here. And I, I was surrounded by these people. You know, to the normal person, I am super technical, right? Like, I can figure everything out. In that group, I was the normie <laughs> because I couldn't, I didn't have the desire nor the patience nor really the aptitude really to do that. I was very good at this sort of like taking a step back and like, you know, the thousand foot view and, you know, thus, you know, sort of makes sense, you know, that I went into pre-sales. But I was looking at those folks and I'm just like, gosh, I'm in the wrong place. Like, I'm not techie. <laughs> Like, I don't get this, said the network engineer, right? <laughs> I'm not techy enough for for this job. Like, it, I'm obviously not doing a good, you know, good job at it. And then, you know, even then I say, like, a network engineer, it comes in all different shapes and sizes. Like, you have, and, and I keep on comparing myself, like, to, because me and my partner used to work together, and he's exactly that type, right? He is the type that's going to, you know, dive into it, and he's not going to let go. He's like a pit bull, right? There's a problem, he's going to, you know, just sink his teeth into it, and he's not going to let go until he figures it out. And when we worked together, it worked really well because uh, we were dealing mostly with customer, you know, issues, like, uh, you know, troubleshooting. I would have a look at like, okay, where is this connected? How does this all work together? How is it all, you know, how does everything fit in this big puzzle that the, this problem is? And he would dig into each puzzle piece, open it up and like start digging into the details where I would never go if it's up to me. <laughs> like I would only go if like... I've exhausted all other efforts and this is the last thing that's that needs to get done. I guess I will dig into it. Fine, I'll do some packet capturing. Also again, I have like he does it at home, right? <laughs> like he does packet like don't laugh. <laughs> like but genuinely, like at one point, like I could see Wireshark, which for folks who don't know, is like a like a, like again, the, the networking packet capturing tool of choice yeah. usually in, in you know it's it's a it's an open source tool and it's fantastic. And, but like I would see Wireshark open on his like gaming PC, and he'll go like, "Did you know your Mac is really chatty?" And I'm like, "I don't care. <laughs> like I'm happy you're you're really into it, but I genuinely don't care." It's like, "Oh, we should maybe look into the settings." And I'm like, "You look into whatever you want, buddy." <laughs> Speaking of the podcast, yes, <laughs> it is a strange thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a very strange thing. And especially figuring out how to, how does one start a podcast? And I, I did some homework. You did some homework. And we we were doing nothing <laughs> from that homework. <laughs> we're just like, oh yeah, we, we're, you know, diligent students. So let, let's figure out what, what do good podcasts do? And then we did none of those. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I, anyone is still listening. Thank you. 
<laughs> but I, I think this is a, is a good point to sort of like, you know, a little bit of a reset and just talk about the podcast itself. Uh, I think folks have already sort of figured out who we are as, as people and, and hopefully you know, the, the type of conversations are going to go from, you know, all corners of the world. But I think the common topics that we sort of discover ourselves to start off, like why, why did we decide to even make a podcast? And I love these sort of, uh, we, you know, we mentioned it already a couple of times, like serendipitous moments where me and Paul were having a conversation, like just a video call. And I was sitting there listening to Paul going like, man, I wish we recorded that <laughs> because like two years ago, me would have loved to hear this conversation. Because there was, it wasn't just about like, you know, it wasn't a, like a lot of these videos that we listen or, you know, or presentations that we watch around pre-sales or around tech or like career development, etc. It was just hearing other people struggling with the same thing as I do or having the same thoughts as me or just, you know, oh goodness, like I'm not alone or, oh, there is hope, right? There is a direction that I can take or, you know, people just have different opinions on different topics that I struggled with you know, two, three years ago when I first got into pre-sales. And where was this <laughs> when we were actually, when, when, I need, when I needed it? And I think I truly believe in this concept that the best content you can make is content for you two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And I think it's, if, you, if you're finding the conversation interesting, then there's probably someone else out there who will. And that's been my biggest takeaway, actually, from like talking to you, um, and thinking about the stuff that I enjoy, and I'm like the best. The best podcasts are the ones where, or the ones I say the best. That's a very, um, it's very subjective. My, um, I like agreed on this is that when you feel like you're sat somewhere in a in a bar in a coffee shop, like having a conversation with friends, and I really, and that's the, I think the kind of the vibe, and it kind of is about that. Just as you say, kind of us two, three, five years ago and understanding as well that I think it's been really, it was really helpful for me just to kind of talk through the kind of weirdness that has been my five years in pre-sales because I guess my perception was, oh, well, it's all been very strange and everyone else has had a far more normal time than I have. And actually, the biggest realization is that there's nothing normal about this job. There's absolutely normal. No, it's so strange. It's so strange, and it's and it's it was when I first got into pre-sales. I, I one of my colleagues at the time he mentioned like this is the best job you ever have, but also nobody will ever be able to understand what you do. I'm like fair enough. <laughs> No, three three years forward, like I understand completely what he means, and not in the sense of like, oh, we're failing to explain because, like, especially after three years, like I figured out how to explain to people, you know, like family members over dinner, like I know how to explain what I do in the day to day to them. What, for example, I'm struggling right now, and as it was one of the things that I, I really want to talk to you about because I need the help, <laughs> is okay, like I know what an SC is, like right, I know what what a pre sales person is. What is this new step that I want to take, which is not really being an SC, but still talking to customers, but just talking more about the product broadly, but then doing demo automation, but then doing, you know, marketing and then doing this and that is like, this is just a make made up thing at this point. Like I am making up stuff as I go. And it's this profession of pre-sales that has sort of enabled me to think in this sort of way, because again, like 
the fact that I get to like, not, not demand, demand is a strong word, but like when I'm talking to folks that I want to work for and I'm having these negotiations, like I can say things like, oh, and by the way, I want the job, part of my job description to add something along the lines of like, you know, demo automation as a responsibility I have. Oh, what other job do you <laughs> sort of demand? <laughs> like, hey, I want to do this stuff because I, I can show you the value of it, right? Unless you have your own business or unless you're like, I, what I think is like higher level, like director roles, where it's mostly about making the company more profitable. I, I don't know any other job that you walk in and you go like, yeah, I can do this for you. Like, you know, pay me. Like, I mean, because that's basically what I got to do to go into the role that I've just left. Um, same company, but I essentially got to, this is what interests me, this is what I want to do, and yeah, like I, I want to stay in the field because I don't want to go and not be in the field because otherwise I'll become very detached from it, and I think for me, even as I kind of like now go back into management right but kind of go into it proper it feels like this feels like the, like the, the first proper time i'm doing it because last time didn't really feel last time was very like oh you're, you're now this and this time it's like no this has actually been organized and announced and structured and, and there's proper framework around yeah so before you would would you say you were more of a somebody had to do it like somebody had to be uh in a management -y role yeah and you were was, sort of was, handed that responsibility kind of yeah it was sort of like circumstance over desire and so far as short version is my boss at the time went on long-term sick so i kind of just like just in like forecast calls so in the the weekly forecast call with the sales team i just stepped in for him because there would always be that there'd be the talk to the pipeline come to the end anything from pre-sales and i ended up being like the de facto person who just answered that and not through any rhyme or reason i just did because i was like it has to be done therefore i should just do it and it wasn't there wasn't kind of an ambition at that point interestingly there was a possibility and this is all this is all happening just for context in the first half of 2020 um, when I was the first, when I became a parent for the first time, nothing else really happened, right? It was just a completely normal year. So, so in that context, just to contextualise it, this is when this is going on between like February and like June 2020, and essentially, lots of change. New manager who I was reporting to, no one managing in the UK. I again, sort of just stepped into that and that was not that wasn't just with sales that was also with post sales right so i and i'd i'd worked for the director at the time of post sales he's actually the guy responsible for getting me into pre-sales in the first place so i had a good relationship with him right and i just was like well i just guess i'll kind of update you on what's happening and where things are coming in so i kind of fell into the role because there was there was a void and no and it needed to be filled and i think again in that time things were so crazy that i was like we just focus was on just keeping things on track, right? Keeping the train on the rails. I then sort of negotiated going into that role, and there was a lot of discussion about, well, can you? Are you? Do you need to be? Do you need to go up? Do you need to go up to be a? Because I was a, just a 
an SESA at the time? Do you need to be a senior and then become a manager? Like, do we need to go up? Can we go straight up? And there was lots of back and forth around it. Then, in the end, I did a did a leadership course, which was really, really good. And again, not being able to go outside, really, was kind of really great for studying because I was like, well, I guess I'll do this. But I really enjoyed it. And I think what was interesting that was that course was very much focused around understanding how businesses operate. So understanding P&L, um, understanding how accounting works, understanding what it means when you go to a company's house and you look at a business's statement and it has all the numbers on it, actually understanding what those mean. But also, really interestingly, the difference between management and leadership, which is a big, big thing for me. Did Went through that, ended up in the kind of like, I think it was like a team lead role, uh, and just kind of was like in it, but also it felt there was then there was then more change of management and things were just very weird and i think the prob the biggest problem i had was that and this is the biggest problem like getting promoted internally is an amazing thing to happen and i'm so grateful that i've had those opportunities to be promoted but the biggest challenge you also have is when you're within an organization and this is in any role any job any career anywhere right when your job changes, but the people you work with don't, it is a real challenge to change the perception of who you are and what you do. I I never quite, that never quite sat with me. And I think I never, I was never able to let go of the long tail of what I had been doing. Um, and I also had a bit of a crisis of like, I don't even know what it means to be an SE. What does they have never done it outside of this one place? And I'm now I'm and it was just when I was like starting to engage with um other people, like through Precess Collective, right? Oh, there's other people who are like me, but how they do things sounds very different. So there's gotta be another way of doing it. And I was just this like But this this time around, as I say, it's been planned, it's been organized in the context of a much bigger reorganization. Um and I also just feel ready for it. Like, I just didn't, I think... I was about to yeah. say, it feels more... Uh, it, and, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, your your previous experience wasn't valid in in the sense of most likely it was very confusing and very, like, all over the place. Um, but I think it's mostly a mindset shift. Yeah. It feels like, even the way you were describing it then, it was just you were finding your own two feet and what is it that you actually want to do. And you sort of found yourself in that leadershipy, managementy role, without really having a good, stable idea of who you want to be in your role, which is again a very weird problem to have in a very specific for careers like pre-sales to have. Because again, as a network engineer, for example, which is my only other comparison I have for as a career, there is never a, a question about what it is that you're supposed to do. Yeah, you you may have a different uh, scope of work. In the sense of, you know, earlier in your career, in your career, you might just be installing stuff, and then you're designing stuff. But it's still very much of a this is the end goal. The end goal is to get things talking to each other. There's never any ambiguity about what is it that you're supposed to be doing. With pre-sales, and especially because, and we've had you know many sessions about this at DemoFest. People talk about this all the time in the field, and you know, in our, in our group of you know, I was about to say, oh, I was about to say a very icky word, which I don't like, influencers. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is, it, is, it, is it less icky to say thought leaders? That still feels 
yeah, it's still icky. It's still icky, yeah, right. Um, what I, what I wanted to say is this group of is this group of folks that we you know I, I think and luckily so we are both a part of that just talk about this stuff all the time because they really care about this stuff. There's, there's this constant conversation about like you know oh the career is evolving it's changing it's different from what it was used to be before, and to our very early conversation around like historically understanding tech, historically understanding where presales came from in the sense of you know you needed to be the technical person in factory and industry and you know explaining to folks exactly how does the new boeing actually work in a in a term that shareholders and business managers will be able to understand that was what the, what the role was supposed to be and what it used to be 20 years ago yeah nowadays it has transferred into this weird ambiguous sort of you're not really sales because you're more technical, but you're not really technical because you're not professional services that go in and install stuff. You're not really post-sales because you care about getting a deal through and getting new customers in, but also you're kind of post-sales because you're doing customer relationship and maintenance. And it is really, really, it's a, again, your uncertainty like a couple of years back makes so much sense. I'm more surprised now that you are certain as to what you want to do. (laughs) (laughs) But in the same vein, and this was something that I really wanted your help with, really, and just talk me through this, because I'm currently, I wouldn't say in a similar crossroad as you, in the sense of like, because you know you want to get into leadership. The one thing for certain that I know is that I don't want to have a team of people. <laughs> that was a that was something that very early in, like actually in my pre-sales role because when I was a network engineer I had these ideas because to be honest with you most of the successful ladies that I saw in network engineering were managers mm-hmm. so I was like oh, okay no th- those are my examples I'm going to look at them and you know it's either it was either managers or ladies that were extremely intelligent and really into their tech and doing some amazing work out there and I didn't feel that I am very much into the tech. So, you know, back to the point about getting into pre-sales. And uh, again, <laughs> caveat, it's for a networking person. <laughs> I wasn't really into tech. Um, yeah. For someone who worked in IT, I wasn't really into tech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I talk I talk about tech like eight hours a day. I'm not really into tech. <laughs> so, but when I first got into pre-sales and I had these first conversation around like, oh, career you know, planning, like, what do you want to do? What is your, you know, even though I, I hate doing these, but, you know, it, they are useful to some degree, but like five, 10 year plan, right? Like, I don't know what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow. You're asking me about like 10 years. I have no clue. But it was useful to sort of clarify these ideas of management. Do I want to lead people? And my, it was it was actually, yeah, it was my, my then boss who actually asked me this question of like, would you be okay to let go someone, because that's what you have to do, let go of someone who you know personally is struggling financially, mentally, but you have to let them go because higher ups told you to. And my very clear answer was no. It, it has a lot to do with about, you know, emotional maturity. It has a lot to do with, you know, um, being, you know, incredibly empathetic because I am empathetic to the nth degree, like to the painful point where I would really struggle to take a step back and sort of like shield myself from that. Even though, again, this is an age thing and I, and I know over the years I'll get better at that. But at this very point, I'm just like, no, no management, no leadership whatsoever. 
And I thought that was it, right? So that meant I am now going to be an individual contributor, an SC, going forward, that's it. And then about, well, actually, when I started, first started doing demo fests and I started seeing these people there also presenting or talking to me, they say like, you know, oh yeah, no, I became like the pre-sales like evangelist person, right? Like the, the field you know, CTO, CISO person that goes around and, you know, is still a leader in the sense of setting up the direction of the company without any team members to take care of. To which my brain immediately went like, ding, 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 like, fantastic. So you can't get the best of both worlds in that sense, where you still make a difference because I do think, you know, when it comes to leadership, it is about, and again, trailblazing. But it is the, the most accurate word I have in English to describe that, where you do take the risk of, this sounds like a good idea, let's put in some resources there, and I will take the, the hit if it doesn't go. I talk about going into leadership. I'm not going to go back into management. I've been in that kind of role for the last 18 months, and I've loved it. I loved it, and it's been great. And I think it has allowed me to have an have a direct impact on how we do business but in a way that has enabled me to stay connected to the day-to-day i think kind of we want to rise into so again so kind of we kind of skipped ahead but basically again i kind of i went through like post sales i went to support through acquisition then into post sales went i never do pre-sales a year later hey i'm doing pre-sales because it turns out actually i quite like it um because i realize what it actually is and and again it, it there's we can we can get it, but that's that's the kind of again, the short version, right, of how I ended up in pre-sales, and it's then been that I think the thing that I've learned along the way, and I've said to you, I, I did say I know I said this to you before, and I would say to anyone out there is that yeah, five ten, two five ten year plans, who knows, right? Who knows we're going to be in ten years? Interesting question. Actually, um, one of my leadership team asked me recently was they said, don't ask, don't tell me a ten year plan. They said, where do you want to be? just before you retire. Oh, that's cool. And and I was like, oh, okay, that's it. Because also I went, well, hang on, that's how I actually look at everything. And I was like, I start at the end. I go, I, I, and what are the... Because that gives you an idea of going, there are certain milestones that I need to hit to get there. Oh, that's a really cool idea. And you know what? When you when you said that question, mm. I immediately visualized where I want to be before I, I retire. If you asked me for a 10-year plan or a 30-year plan or whatever, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to tell you. But immediately you told me, like, what do you want to do right before you retire? And I just had an image of myself being in front of a big conference crowd presenting interesting and inspiring tech. That is that yeah. is like yeah. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> the image is there. Yeah, I I would say probably s- I'd like to do something similar, but I also like the idea of being on a board. Yeah, and that means to me there's a certain seniority that I need to reach, but also I don't. That's not a linear progression, and there is I would also equally love to go and be a field CTO at some point. Because evangelist, whatever you want to call, because I think it's a, it's a super interesting role. It's super creative, and I think you can say you can, you're operating at the bleeding edge of what the company's doing in terms of how 
how you go to market. It's really cross-functional. Um, you get to define. So before, you get to define a lot of what you want to do, and I think you're already doing that. It's just saying when you're kind of going, being in, in SE, you, you, you're unique in saying, I want this to be my job description because this is something I'm passionate about. And I think that is the kind of the end point of that, right? But I look and I go, 18 months ago, I was very clear I did not want to take on a management role. Really? Yes, because I was offered one. And that was because I was like, I didn't want to, it, it was kind of because at the time it wasn't the right thing. And I think it's this thing of going, you know, I will do, I will, every job that I have had, I have done for an amount of time. And then I have found myself going, I feel like I, I'm very, I'm very fortunate in my career. I've only ever had one time when I've been like, I have got to get out of here. Only one time. And that wasn't, that wasn't when I left off with us I wasn't when I was in management that was just a, like I was like having a, oh, I can't I was a this is and there was an opportunity that came along you know I was basically told you should come and apply because I think you'll get this job but only one time and I went I, this is not this is not good for my mental health this is not good for my this is not good for me I need to get out of here but everything else has opportunities have come along and have been presented to me in a way like this is something that you can do and you are being offered this position because, and it, and it's also a lot about the the person who's offering it to you, right, and the leader that's offering it to you. And I think a big thing for me is that I'm going to go and work for somebody who I believe in and feel has my best interests at heart, and that's why I'm going in that direction. And I think it, it's it's that thing. I'm going. I'm going to do this for because this right now feels like the right thing to do. Now, I am not going to spend the next 30 years of my career in the job that I'm now in. And that's not, that's not an, an outlandish thing to say, right? Because no. it's factually, whether I am with, you know, because even in two years, the job will be different because the company will be different because the company's going to grow and the company's going to change and the team's going to change. Because that's what happens. So, 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 kind of this idea of like, I think again, what's great about pre-sales is the job's always changing. There's always something around the corner that's new, and your the the most successful people in this career are those who kind of see it and grab it and go after it, and go, oh, change, oh, let's do that. Oh, this is a this is, and you see, that, that sounds that's, that sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's interesting. What's that about? And um, I think are we yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but are we practically like dogs chasing squirrels? It's oh, free sales, yeah. just yes, like a whole is. bunch of it people. <laughs> yeah. Just a whole bunch of like golden retrievers, just like oh, squirrel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's nothing to that. But I think there's also an aspect of like being able to go on the one level. This is going to give me. This is going to give me more. So. You look at it and go, this is a, so if I, if I kind of, if you think about the, the decision making, right, rationale, you go, does this progress my career? Yes. Does it progress it in the direction that I'm interested in taking right now? Yes or no? Yes, it does. Will it give me experience that will be valuable for the rest of my time in this career? Absolutely. Will I still be doing it in two, three, four years? I don't know. Probably not. 
right? And again, not to say that I won't still be in the same place, that I won't still be here, but, but the role will have evolved and changed because I'll have kind of made it what I... And again, I think this is one of the, the great things about being even in even in leadership and pre-sales is that you can kind of mould and manipulate to run your thing like how you want and run it as a business. And this is, there's a lot of talk about you know running pre-sales as a business. And I think running it as a business within a business and looking at those things, like what are the... And I think there's, there's, there's aspects of that that are interesting, right? And I think you can start to evaluate um, it's not a clo- it's not like it's not like a it's not a closed door in that you're going to go into this and then that's it that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life and you're going to be climbing that ladder and and because people quite a bit have gone in and out of that role and some of those you know the influencers right the people who are you know, we're talking about it a number of them have been directors VPs senior VPs big organizations who have now gone off and done their own thing but what they've got is that experience which has enabled them to do that i was gonna say even even i'll, I'll take it even a step further because you mentioned like the career ladder i read very early i think it was like a couple of years back when it was when it first came out there's a book called the squiggly career yes and i i truly resonated with that when i first saw it because even just like my parents, right? Like one generation behind. There was such a thing called a career ladder where it was a very obvious next step. And most roles had very obvious next steps sort of uh, timed in such a way that as you were, you know, when you hit the top, practically, if you start at a certain age, you'll get to retire. Yeah. Finito, right? Yeah. Fantastic. It was very well organized. You and I, unfortunately, didn't look out on that part because... We're now in a market, in a job market, and this is not just, I don't think this is just purely about pre-sales. It's very obvious in roles like this that are more fluid to start with, where, you know, maybe an engineering career or something else is a little bit more stricter, but there's still this idea that it's not a linear, you know, trajectory going up. So suddenly this idea that you need to look at yourself and your career as if you are you're a business, right? And what does what does the business actually mean, right? As a, as a, as an enterprise, that means that you are results focused, aka what is the actual value that I'm providing versus what does it say in my job specs? And I think that mentality. And I wonder, I haven't actually done some retrospection on this, but I wonder, just starting off my own business in June, has that really shaped my brain to such a way that nowadays when I'm negotiating a potential new role. I'm looking at it as me, you know, Lydia as a business <laughs> or Lydia as a service, depending on, you know, your cloud subscription <laughs> requirements. <laughs> I should I should start advertising like that. But um, the, depending, you know, my entire perspective on, on what a job is has changed where I'm not applying for just the role, right? I am using the role as a vehicle to start having conversations which is like this is what i can offer you mm-hmm. and this is the obviously the the what i wanted to return aka payment you know benefit etc cetera, etc cetera. but this is how businesses operate it's a give and take you know this is what you get and this is what i get in the contract you know sign everyone is happy 
But that mentality is completely different. I, w- I was I was sharing some of my thoughts yesterday with with my mom, which again, she's even though she's in the generation where they did have career ladders and she did go through a career ladder herself as an accountant. When I was explaining to her like my idea of how am I approaching this, her her feedback was whilst I understand your mentality, I couldn't even put myself in your shoes to try to give you good, you know, recommendations or or guidance because I have never had to navigate this. Mm-hmm. So when you said like, you know, pre-sales being its own business within a business, I would take it even a step further where you as the person within this pre-sales business within a business, you know, we're, we're getting <laughs> like layers in. You are a business entity of itself. Yeah. And I wonder, and, and that's what my question for you, like, do you feel that too? Or is this like now a... Oh, I have my own business. Thus, now my brain has sort of got into this mentality. Or do you think the same way? The kind of almost more like kind condensed version of what you said, like with the the being the the you looking at when you're applying at how that works for you as a business. It's like the best advice I ever got told about applying for jobs is that remember you're interviewing them as much as you're they're interviewing you. Oh, absolutely. And I'm like, that just was one of those moments when it was like, something went click in my brain. I went, of course. Yeah, it's a two-way street. Yeah, it is. And I think similarly to you, and this is definitely a generational thing, we are far less defined by the job that we do in that, that me, Paul, as a whole person, I, and we've talked about this, like, between ourselves like i i have my job that i do right and that's a part of who i am it's a big part it's a very important part um and it it, but it's not it is not my entire identity even within this professional space and the, the podcast right is another sort of part of that picture and you go what are the what are the pieces that that make up me is so oh so i've you know i was a psc ambassador for two years i work at loftware right i do a podcast i post on linkedin right and all those things kind of go together to make up who you are and i think when you start to look at your job in that context and go not to by any means devalue the importance of it because it's hugely important and you should you, you you should think very carefully because it's a very very big part of your life and you spend a lot of time there but it's also not the be-all and end-all of who you are as an individual, even within your identity as an SE. Right? It, 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 your job is a part of that, and it informs. And I think this is so important to also talk about, which unfortunately, the reality of, of the world now, and it's and it's been so prominent, and I don't know if it's because I'm being so active on LinkedIn, but just, especially in the context of like redundancies, Right. And it's always and, I, and I've, I've said this more times recently than I've ever had before to folks that I truly appreciate as professionals. It's not about you. Right. It's never about you as a person. It might have to do with what you've done as a job for this company in this context, in this time frame. But it has nothing to do with you as a person. Your value is not what some, you know, big shots somewhere in a in a you know in an office in America decide about your future. And I think that's incredibly hard for folks because it's about ownership, right? 
It's about taking full, relentless ownership of your career and what you do, which is hard because it would be so easy just to coast and just say like, yeah, this is what I do. I'm just going to keep on doing it until, you know, I get promoted because I'm doing a good job and then, you know, keep on going until I retire. Again, unfortunately, we don't live in that world anymore. There might be pockets again of that existing, but just doesn't happen. The hardest thing I've had to deal with as an SE, I still, I still struggle with it, is how to deal with the inconsistent workload. Because as much as as much as you have, you have a degree, and it comes back to running a business, right? You you have control over the decisions that you make, and going out and getting business, and gaining interest and building pipeline, but ultimately there is only so much happening at any one time and whatever business you're in you kind of have to then go well there's going to be times when there's things that are happening that are outside of my control that ebb and flow and it's the if you're new into pre-sales or if you're looking at getting into pre-sales and you want to know like what is the thing that you need to be aware of i would say be aware that um as as much as you know you're going to have you're going to have a level of control of what you do and how you spend your time because you're going to be given a set of tasks and you will be your own boss (laughs) sorry just being your own boss like immediately the the thing that comes to my mind is like boss babe oh right (laughs) (laughs) i've switched from being golden retrievers to boss babes Oh dear! It's, no, it's, but anyway, it, it's that thing. It's being your own, but it's it's a be your own boss, right? And it's not some MLM type thing either, <laughs> right? Where you can work from home. Hot hot take: pre sales is a multi level marketing scheme. That's that's why we can never explain what we do. It's just just join us, just join us. <laughs> That's why we talk about leadership, right? We have a leadership team that dictates from yeah. above. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would say learn to... Le- I, I, I say so. It Find find a way that works for you to manage your time. And because that's it. And I still... I, I still... My, my... I don't know... Uh, toxic trait, to call it that, right? Is that I have like a new, I have a new, I have a new way of organizing my time every three to six months. Oh, Note taking application or task manager. Oh, I shouldn't have told you about Obsidian. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) I knew about Obsidian before you told me. And I'm like, and then you reminded me, I was like, okay, let's have a look. But I think it's, and, and again, it's, um, it's part of just like my own, I think, it's, but it's, it's like trying to find a way that works, but also being like, sometimes it's okay just to be like, just kind of just embrace the chaos. Cause, cause sales is a chaotic role. And the way that I, the analogy I always come back to, right. It, and something that I've done a lot, I don't do it quite so much at the moment, but it's whitewater kayaking on the face of it is a very stupid thing to do because what you're essentially doing is getting into a bit of molded plastic holding a bit of carbon fiber and then chucking yourself down a river <laughs> with, that is full of rocks and could kill you 
And I do it for fun. I do it for fun. <laughs> yeah, I do. But it's a good analogy because you have a level of control over what you 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 know you you have a control over where you start. You have a degree of control over where you stop. You have sight of what is immediately ahead of you. You don't know what's around the corner. And and you, sometimes you have to kind of get out and you have to look ahead and try and figure out, okay, so if I get to here, then here, then here, then I could do this and then do this and then do this. Doesn't always go to plan. And you need to have people there who can pick you up when things don't go to plan. But fundamentally, you're always kind of planning a few steps ahead, but accepting that you don't know what's going to come around and you don't know what's going to happen and that there will be times when you have to react to the situation. And as much as you're like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, I'm fine. You know, this is all good, all planned out. And something just go out of left field and it completely throws your schedule, your agenda out. Because, And it's important that you react to that and that you deal with that in the right way. The flip side of that is when things are quiet and you go what do i do now and i never even I, I get a real i like i think of it as like productivity guilt which is i feel like i'm not doing anything so therefore i should be reading this book and watching this video and studying this new technology and stuff and it's like yes that's all good stuff to do but you also just don't have to. You, you've nailed on the head the productivity guilt thing. I have days, even like I was off on holiday, right? Like the last week. And I had two days after we were back, just sitting at home. The second day I was already, like I, I literally went to my partner, I went like, I need to do something. I need to feel like I'm a productive adult today. Like I need to, I need to clean the house. I need to, you know, set up laundry. I need to do something. And he looked at me like I'm, like I'm, like a, like an alien, and just said, like, why don't you just rest? Like because we were traveling for a week straight, and we barely slept. Like you should just rest. And and you you're right. Like the feeling that just bubbles up is that guilt of like, but I have this free time, right? Like, why don't I do something productive? Why don't I read like the you know the next book on my to read list? Why don't I just learn something new? I need to update my website. I need to post on LinkedIn. I need to do that. I need to reach out to this person and that person. And that's exactly like why I recently posted on, on LinkedIn, like the, uh, like a little post that was mostly targeted to me, but I know, and listening to you now, like other people need to hear it too. It is okay to just step away, get a fiction book that you have been, you know, long overdue to read, and I even had to like really be serious with myself and do like a little bit of a pep talk of like, okay, you have two hours where you're just going to sit down and you're going to enjoy this book. Right? You're just going to, you're not going to, it's not productive. It's not going to help you in any way, shape or form for your career. It's not going to help for your business. It's not going to help for anything. Just sit down and do something that is not part of being in pre-sales or being a working person. And that is so incredibly hard. And you mentioned also about like scheduling and stuff. I've gone from one extreme. So when I went, when I was at uni, so I was full full time, you know, doing uh, like the school at Denmark and working full time and taking care of a household and like in, and trying to have a social life and this and that. I genuinely 
And I don't know if you've heard this term called like ultra scheduling. I had 15 minute blocks of things. Like I had scheduled my day in 15 minute blocks. And mind you, I was the most productive I was ever in my life. But then I had a massive burnout. <laughs> but nowadays, it I get back to this idea of like, oh, I need to schedule my day because I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel like I'm not being productive enough. And this whole, like, I know there's this whole concept like toxic productivity when we, you know, especially if you like me are interested in how other people work because I love hearing about how other people work. And that's a, a you know topic for another podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because like I would love to hear how you do this, in, especially in the chaotic world of pre-sales. But I struggle like seriously with that because in a, in a perfect world, I would have, you know, nine to 12, I'll be doing this from like three to four, I'll be doing this. And then, you know, in the evening, I'll be doing this. But that just doesn't happen. And I find myself like I'm failing at life because my life doesn't look like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just so unfair really to to me to whomever else is feeling that way because like why why should we do it that way like as you said like i I loved your analogy with the kayaking because yeah just chuck yourself into the river and see what happens but you can't put a system around that you can't really and again you keep on hearing like you know your goals are you know goals are not the important part they're there to be set but then the system you know you you follow at the system at your systems so you need to have things in place to keep you on board on the kayak as you're going down the river. And if you don't have those measures in place or you don't know what those measures in place are supposed to be, how the heck do you navigate? Yep. Uh, and it's okay as well sometimes just to pull over and get out and stop. It is. Um, and to be honest with you, for me, this podcast is exactly that. Like, And to be honest with you, even, and I, and I think I've said this to you, if nobody listens to the podcast, this is just for me. <laughs> This is just for me to have this chance to talk to you and and have these conversations with someone who I believe is in a very similar, I wouldn't say state of mind, because like you have your other concerns and you know our lives are completely different in that sense. But you dissect problems in a very similar way to me. So I can I can say weird things, or you can say weird things of like, you know, oh yeah, pre-sales is like kayaking. And I'll be like, oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah, kind. thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> and the is mutual because, yeah, we talk about about serendipitous moments, but I just think that when... And full disclosure, like, we met two months ago? Yeah, two months In ago. person, yeah. In person. yeah. Like, we kind of had a little bit of conversation on LinkedIn, but, like, apart from that, we've known each other for, like, two months, and it's just suddenly this, like, moment when you feel like you've known someone for a lot longer than you actually have. Yep. Um, and you just ease into that conversation. So, yeah, I, we, I think, I think productivity and and kind of apps and hacks definitely is a topic for another day because we could quite comfortable talk about that for a long time. And I'm really interested to hear about how you use Obsidian in particular. I know a few other people do. do. Um, I, 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 the, on the other hand, I'm worried that when people hear Obsidian and they hear markup and like text editing, they just shut down. <laughs> but I think I think again, it depends. I think I think the kind of, and I guess this also kind of goes to the why we've called the podcast what we've called it, right? In that we're talking about tech, we're kind of wandering all over the place. So we're like, hey, it's the wandering tech because this is the kind of the conversation we're going to have. <laughs> and I think though as well when we were trying to pick the name and we had a lot of fun it's a lot of fun picking a name for a podcast so if you ever want to start it it is like don't <laughs> worry about picking the name because it's a lot of fun 
Um, but it's also that we've kind of touched on it already today. Like, wandering a career is not, it's a meandering thing. You, it's not a straight line. You're exploring, you're finding out, you're coming across new things. And I think that is just the nature of of this kind of career. But I think, I agree, right? Of our, of our, we kind of have a similar kind of curious mindset. And it, it, I think it also, it, it's just interesting because there's that thing that you never, on, I guess the last thing on the, on the productivity thing, well, just guys, two, 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 two final things. Um, my biggest pet peeve with kind of modern social media, and one of the reasons actually that I've deleted TikTok for now, and I will get, we can get into that another time, but I've deleted it for now. And people know who know who follow me know that I use it to create and I kind of just had to get off of it. It was sucking a lot of my time, but also I was just getting this like diet of, here's how to work three days in one day. Like you get up at this time and you do this and you go to the gym and you do this and you do this and you do this. And I was like, you know what? Sometimes I just want to sit down and watch a trashy horror movie in front of the TV and not feel guilty about that. But this, but the the, the the kind of that kind of content makes you feel bad, right? So that's one thing. And I think I think if you are in that space, don't don't take that stuff because it's very easy for somebody to take lovely pictures of them at a beach and go, "Hey, look, I'm super successful, and here's how I did it, and here's how I make." Back to the MLM thing, right? So, yeah. and buy, buy my program to do the same as me. <laughs> Yeah, I have a program, right. Yeah, exactly. I built this business online and now I make twice my salary and I'm going to retire at 40 and I'm like, okay, well, you'll be bored. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'll even pull this specifically to pre-sales, right? Because especially, and I I see, because quite a lot of folks ask me like, you know, oh, I want to get into pre-sales. Are there folks I should follow? And I feel a little bit guilty now because I never put in the caveat of, but don't take it, not, not take it, don't take it as gospel, but don't look at these folks, me included, by the way, I do a really bad job of being transparent in the sense of like, I tend to want to share the things I've learned. I want to share like, you know, what I think would be useful for other folks. What I never share about is the things that you and I are touching on right here, which is like, hey, I struggle, right? But if you look at my LinkedIn, it's like, Ooh, published a little booklet on whiteboarding, did this, did that, done demo, demo fest, done this. It's like, and then very few folks that actually saw him in person knew that in Dublin, I struggled immensely with mental health, mm-hmm. like when I was doing that, because I was so extremely tired and exhausted, both emotionally and physically. That would never, you would never see it on LinkedIn. But that's why, again, to the point of like, why I wanted so desperately to to, to do this podcast, even, again, even if it's just for you and me, <laughs> right? And maybe my mom. Yeah. Um, th- these conversations are really important. And I wish I right now have someone to listen to that says the things that I do of just like, it's fine, right? We're all good. <laughs> You're doing okay. <laughs> Just, just keep on, keep on keeping. Like it's gonna, it's gonna go. It's gonna be alright, you know, going forward. And there's nothing. Don't push yourself too hard because burnout is is real. And especially in this squiggly world that we find ourselves in, it's just so hard to figure out when exactly you're going to burn out. And burnout is a whole big other topic that we're. I'm, I'm sure we're gonna cover off going forward. I'm sure we will. 
and and I think my la- the last thing I'll say on that is I I have to check myself and go. I've been in my career ten years. I have probably got another thirty to go. Yeah. So it's okay to slow. You don't have to. You don't have to have retired at thirty-five, because it's interesting. People that say they do that still seem to be posting a lot about how they retired at thirty-five, <laughs> selling you courses. <laughs> they still, yeah, they still seem to be doing quite a lot of work for someone who's retired. <laughs> Great, have your success, right? Absolutely. But I think, I think, the, and I think it's not malicious. But the problem is, is that it's insidious when you see that and you consume, that and it's all you see. And I think you hit that, you know, that, that highlights reel. And LinkedIn is is that highlights reel. That if Instagram is the highlights reel of your, of your social life, LinkedIn is the highlights reel of your career. And what you don't see when you know when people kind of talk to me, they go, "Oh, it looks like you've like you've been in pre-sales five years and you've rocked it up." And I'm like, "Yeah." But you don't see when I had a mental breakdown. What you don't see is when I was really questioning if I'd even done the right thing. What you don't see is when I was work, like, you know, just hating what I was doing and having a re- having a really negative impact on my on my home life. And and that's fine, right? And I'm not saying that I mean because everyone has those things. But I think it's that thing of like putting that perspective on it. And I think anything, if what we can do with this is put a bit of perspective on what the kind of the reality is like being in this role and kind of just being like, again, take away messages. It is the best job in the world. And I genuinely believe that. But it's also, yeah, it's also okay to not feel like you're getting it right. Because... And, and and this is a um a thing that I see a lot and I see it I see it about parenting and it's a thing of like, you know, parenting is only hard for good parents, which I think is like does resonate, right? Being an SE is only hard if you're good at it. That is a really good Because it means you care. It does mean you care. And I and I think that is the difference between again, there's a lot of folks that are really good at the job. The folks that are going to spend the time to look into these things and, again, read on LinkedIn and do everything, they will care. Otherwise, they wouldn't do that. That This feels a little bit of a, of a, of a low, like, to finish off the podcast episode. <laughs> that is a... I, I would say that, yeah, I guess maybe it feels like we kind of led into, like, a bit of a, a, a solemn moment, didn't we? And then it, yeah. <laughs> it's like we just but, um, yeah, I, I, I think that... I'm I'm really excited to see where this goes and just I agree, you know, it would be great if we recorded some of our conversations before. I also think we could absolutely not put out a lot of <laughs> Most likely not. <laughs> and, and I think and and I say that because also the uh what has been interesting about this conversation is that this has been very natural and I'm sure sounds very natural, but it is, it has been, it's the product of probably like eight hours of conversation in a short space of time where we've had to kind of figure that out. And those early conversations, we did all the stuff that you do remotely, which is you talk over each other, which is you go off on 
even weirder tangents and have no structure to the conversation. <laughs> we do have show notes, mind you. We do have show notes. <laughs> and we have sort of followed them. Lydia's done a much better job. She's much better at that than me. I'm just like, yeah, I just rock up and do it. <laughs> so you just keep me, you keep me in touch, which is good. I need, I need someone to do that. But we, and we do. I, I, and we have show and, and I think there will be those links that we promised will be there. So please do go and go and look at those. Um, I don't know. I guess, and I, I'll I'll throw it to you a bit. I guess, like, if I think about what do I, what do I? If you if you've listened to this point, thank you. Like, I hope you found it interesting and enjoyed it. Really, what we want to do is this is we're setting out on this journey now. No idea where it's going to end up. What's going to come of it? Um, we have a plan for like the next few weeks, right? And we have, mm-hmm. and I think more broadly, kind of where we want to take it. Um, but it's just going to be a journey, and I'm really excited to go on that journey and um, to go on it with with you and with anyone who chooses to listen. Um, come on to our, our kayak; it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, come and join. Come and join the raft. It's going to be a ride, mostly bumpy. <laughs> It'll be bumpy. It will not be straight. It will go all over the place. <laughs> and we'll, we'll most likely disembark in a weird and wonderful place. <laughs> Precisely. And if nothing else, if nothing else, I hope this gives you something to listen to when you go on that walk that you really need to go on. Oh, goodness. Mind you, literally, as, as you said that, the sun started shining, which it does do in the northeast, if people ask. <laughs> it does happen from time to time. Um I'm, I'm literally going to take the recording and I'm going to take it outside with me on a walk. So thank you so much. Thank you.